Thyself is dedicated to the exploration of the most rewarding task an individual can ever embark on, the journey to find oneself. Our intention is to investigate the universal principles that have equipped our species to seek the treasure of all treasures, self-knowledge. With your host, Daniel and Eduardo, this is the Know Thyself Podcast. That being said, welcome to the Know Thyself Podcast. Uh, I'm here with Daniel. Hello. And I am Eduardo. And good morning, man. I, I love our morning session, so I'm excited to have a coffee rant with you and get back onto this tarot path that we were on uh, a little while back. And I think it's interesting. We're here again in November with um, with the fifth card of the tarot. And uh, again, man, uh, excited to open this conversation away from the conversations we've had previously with the Zodiac and the breakdown of the story of, of Hercules. And so um, I know that we're just going to have an open discussion about this card and that card being the, the Hierophant. And so I'm excited to have all these questions that I've written down answered by your uh, perspective and your um, your point of view on what I want to open up regarding this card and its amazing power, like all the other cards. And this one, actually, I, I like that we took so much time away from the Tarot because this one... Um, it really spoke to me in a way that, uh, I hope it speaks for others. Um, you know, I know it has its, uh, place in Taurus, but nonetheless, the card still has its, um, its powers to be unrevealed or spoken about, um, at any point of time of the year. And I think that however you interpret this card or all cards, um, speaks highly to what this information really represents depending on what you're going through internally. And so I think it was just very appropriate. So yeah, absolutely, man. And away we go, man. And away we go, you know, and this is a, this is an interesting card because when people kind of approach Tarot, this from the surface, this isn't like a sexy card, like the high priestess or the magician, but as you study it, you realize that this card is a fox. Like, this is a really good card. It's actually really important. And what we're going to kind of talk about today is really kind of separating ourselves from our own perspective of this card. And it's like attachment to religious organization and really understanding the deep esoteric values that it's presenting and how how important it is in the fabric of our consciousness. Um, but it's often overlooked. It's, it's kind of one of those cards, you know, everybody's got their favorite cards and they, they've got them tattooed on them or they have a tapestry in their bedroom. You don't see this one very often as something that like stands out for people, but it's so important. And it, it's, it's, um, it's influence and how it kind of even really kind of sums up all the cards that we've seen. Um, and it's transition point. Um, you know, one of the things that we're kind of doing today, which is really cool, is we're kind of moving from the me in here to the me out there as well. And we're kind of moving away from the self and the subjective and making our way through the to the objective, just like we did in the Zodiac as we kind of went through those six houses. And then we crossed that threshold into the seventh. And we talked about now we're going to really kind of dance with the objective rather than 
the you know the focus on the subjective well this card kind of starts that path for us as well um but very misunderstood and again i think a lot of people you know attach things like you know the catholic church to it they see it as like religious dominance um you know so it's it's going to be really cool to discover all of the secrets that this card holds and just how important it is for everybody who's on the path of the fool. Oh, awesome, man. I like that you opened it up with that uh, distinction there in regards to how it's not everyone's favorite card, which I thought was interesting, but I understand with religious indoctrination and whatnot, people can sort of disdain themselves away from this like androgynous looking card because, you know, you can't really tell if it's a male or a female. And I know that I was reading a couple of other um, pieces on it that have no relevance to that, whether it's, you know, male or female, but the fact that it's a pope figure i think kind of can just you know push people away a little bit of like oh here we go you know here's a a person in power that sits above like all the other but also with two disciples at the bottom or two initiates if you will and so that's where you can kind of see a distinction between what's gonna really be said about this card and what's actually happening with this information because i think the like like i said the me outside you know, this this card relating to the inner voice and the inner teachings that we have to go through ourselves is what draw, drew me to it, not so mm-hmm. much the external on it and, and looking at the images. And I think that's my own doing because I didn't dwell on the imagery as much. Normally, I do that and then I go into breaking it all down. Instead, I just took this deep dive on just reading about it. Um you know, not only from the 78 degrees of wisdom, but from other readings. And I just kind of found myself fascinated by it because I feel like, again, personally, I relate to it at at this point in time in my life with everything that we're talking about and having to really stick to um, the idea of what we're learning um, within, you know, to feel like this path that I am on, me, Eduardo, um, alone you know there's this there are inner teachings that you know you want to be able to express outwardly but it's sort of you know it, it sort of describes that a little bit in the card and what that really represents but also of course what the external represents in regards to what people don't like of this card uh in regards to religion religious um indoctrination and so forth and so yeah, yeah man let's uh, uh let's like talk about it. go ahead yeah, absolutely, man. No, I was I was going to agree. And you know, I think the a good tool to get started is, you know, maybe um applying a different name. This card has had many variations throughout the history of tarot. You know, we see it as the Hierophant here. Uh we see it as the Pope card in French and Italian decks. Um but I really like referring to it as the High Priest card. Um when we kind of look at it at that angle, we really see the the opposite of the high priestess, which really this is representing. It's really going to be the external manifestation of the intuition that we, you know, kind of um, rose up within us in that high priestess card. And so this is really the outward expression of the high priestess card. I think when you make that distinction, you know, when we really kind of connect it to that high priest, we really kind of view it from a different lens and we can really kind of see its mystical aspect and, can kind of divorce it from maybe some of our ideas of how it's kind of connected. Um, but even like the Pope, we're going to like break that word down today and look at the etymology of it. And it's actually a really beautiful word, you know? And again, we got to have to separate as we're learning about these ancient understandings. We really have to separate 
from just what we perceived in the age of Pisces. You know, in the age of Pisces, we did have very aggressive, power-hungry religious leaders. And the same thing with our royalty. This was something we kind of looked at with the emperor card. You know, it's hard for us to kind of see a king as like a philosopher king, you know, more of like an individual that's truly sovereign and is leading his people in the best possible way, not only for their physical, mental health, but also their spiritual unfoldment. And that's something we really kind of have to connect to, this idea that, you know, there's more history in this world. Our story's a lot longer than just the age of Pisces. But I feel like sometimes we get caught up on that. And when we think about religion, we only think about the Crusades, the dirty things that, you know, um, churches kind of do today. But we really kind of have to realize that, you know, religious organizations and the purpose of your soul and finding significance in this life goes goes much further than just our recorded history, what kind of gets spoken out to you in history classrooms. Um, and so kind of connecting back to the source of of this essence of what this card is, rather than seeing it's like manifestation by man um, and how it's kind of been tainted and corrupted. Um, but again, we always want to, Tarot is all about getting to the essence. And that's exactly what we're going to be kind of doing is, you know, getting to the essence of, of what this card kind of represents. That's awesome, man. Uh, I'm really glad you brought up the fact that it's the essence, you know, and, and it's true just to take a side note on the idea that, you know, sort of an organization like a religious um, organization, particularly speaking, especially if, if it was in the age of Pisces, does sort of disdain us or just sort of push us away from wanting to find ourselves going back to the source. But I've never felt that way. You know, even when I was raised in a Catholic uh, upbringing, you could find the people, whether, um, you know, you, you felt it or it was how they spoke, were just connected to the source and they were merely using the religion as just a vehicle or a vessel to just express that uh, internal uh, connection to a higher place that could sort of guide people who feel misguided. And I think that that's something that we can do even today. You know, you don't, you don't have to uh, pull away from all religions or all organizations and then start over with your own interpretation of what it is to um, follow a path to uh, holiness, if you will. But you can take a little bit from everybody if if your path is true on what you're trying to reach. You know what I mean? You can sort of understand what is actually being said without having to feel bogged down or pulled down into that weight that we all associate to something like in this particular uh, conversation like the image of the Pope, you know, you mm -hmm. say the Pope and I like that you're going to have some sort of breakdown to the etymology of that because people would be like, oh, they already rolled their eyes or they already looked away from you. And you're like, no, like, you know, I, I, I should be able to say what I want to say if I know I'm following a path of truth within. And I think this card is sort of lending itself to you or to the observer of this image that that's what this really represents, you know, yeah, and, you know, we, uh, to kind of talk about a little bit about the outer way uh, and the secret doctrine that they put in there. It can be contradictory, as it was said, but I feel like, you know, at a base level, we know what we're actually going out to seek. And I think that that's what this card sort of expresses, is that if you're going to go within, you know, that truth that connects to the source is only for you to um, not only embark in, but also share if you want to share, but not needed to feel... Uh, 
pulled away from that truth if if it doesn't resonate with you with the religion or the organization that you um, don't want to be a part of. And so, yeah, anyways, no, uh, yeah, I do like that you, you you talk about that. Yeah, absolutely, man. And you know, definitely, I want to go on record too that you know religious organizations have done some of the most evil things. Um, known to humanity, you know? Um, and so, but again, like, you know, there's, there's good priests, there's good pastors in every religion, uh, but we're definitely not supportive of, you know, the things that the popes or um, religious leaders have done. You know, there's a lot of people who were bor- burnt at the stake, you know, even, even like the Holocaust was, you know, was supported by these organizations. So they, they definitely, have manifested evil in this reality. And we can see the corruption of this energy um, and why it's so important not to corrupt this energy within you. Um, but, you know, what the, the first thing that we kind of talk about when we're, when we're looking at this card is, is tradition and, and how important it is to, you know, to connect to spiritual traditions whether whatever organization or whatever study that we're looking at. Um, because what tradition is really going to do is tradition can really help fortify intention. And so, you know, as we're kind of discussing this, it's, it's you know, our, our culture today, we've spoken about this before, is, is more kind of interested in the motion of life rather than the meaning of life. But this is a relatively new idea of just kind of getting caught on the hamster wheel. For eons, we've always pondered and meditated on the idea of what is the purpose and what is the destiny of the human race. And this is kind of carried on through kind of traditions. And there's something very powerful about connecting to traditions. And that's what this five card really kind of shows us is the importance of connecting and understanding traditions. Because when you connect to a tradition and it moves within you and you embody it, you tap into all of the conscious energy that has put its attention on that tradition. And it can be very powerful. Um, and so kind of understanding spiritual traditions and knowing that we stand on the shoulders of giants as we kind of explore these subjects, you know, and it's a very fascinating thing of, you know, what, like the magnitude that can kind of come from this, you know, because we even think about, when we think about like tradition, you could even kind of think about like rituals that are conducted, but even just like how we carry ourselves in general. And there's really like, you know, there's not like a good or a bad tradition unless it's causing harm to somebody. But like a good example of this is there's certain spiritual traditions that really honor the aspect of long hair. They really fear like hair is an antenna. We see this with Rastafarians. We see this with um, Native Americans. And they really feel like their hair is an antenna that's actually connected to the spiritual realm, and it's an extension of their spirituality. And so we could look at that tradition and be like, okay, hair has a spiritual significance. But then we can look into the East, and we can look at Buddhist monks, where they shave their heads. So which one is right? Which one is wrong? There's not an answer to that. It's the embodiment of the tradition and the power of living with an intention and a purpose that you can activate that energy. It's when we really kind of focus on connecting to something, you know? And so 
it's it's one of those things if your tradition is that your spiritual you know your spirituality is entangled in your hair and it's part of that aspect well then you honor that with that tradition and then if your tradition is like no you really need to like shave your head and expose your head to the sun rays well you do that too you know and there's really kind of interesting things you know you look like even the monks in this card they shave that circle in their head because the monks are part of a solar religion they have the sun god the sun of god and so they want the sun rays touching the top of their head which is connected to their spinal cord and their kundalini well you look at judaism they cover the back of their head because they don't worship the sun like the the solar gods do they more look at all of the planets and saturn and so they actually put that on the top of their head to keep that energy within their spine it's not saying that one's better than the other, but understanding why you're doing a tradition and what intention is behind it is what gives it power. You know, the universal life force isn't like you have to have long hair to be spiritual or you have to have short hair to be spiritual, but it wants you to live with intention. It wants you to put attention to what you do and, you know, really ritualize your life and kind of connect to this. Well, that's what this kind of represents. It very much represents this this idea of like, tapping into a spiritual tradition and riding a wave that is bigger than you that was created before you and how we can kind of connect to that energy. And again, you can operate with multiple different kinds of traditions at different times of your life, but it's the intention that is so powerful here. It's not the, it's not going to be like a choice kind of thing. Um, and so that's one of the first things we kind of look at when we're thinking about spiritual traditions is it's, it's, it's more of like the intention that's so powerful. I like I like what you're saying, man, because it, it really does resonate with me, at least um, for everything that um, our conversations are based out of. Because in this regard, with this card and with everything you just said, it just reminds me of why the Greeks even practice their mysteries. You know what I mean? It's it's the path that you actually end up embarking on that doesn't necessarily have one tradition only, but has many involved into one path of trying to teach yourself all the disciplines that lead you to the higher ground that you seek. And I think that the Greeks did that very well. You know what I mean? I think the Greeks knew how to do that without having to just necessarily uh, stick to one um, path and, and having that diversity of understanding what the actual goal and what you're trying to attain being the ultimate prize um, really brought that peace within them and allowed them to, you know, never fear death, you know, understanding that this is just one portion of, of the journey and that the journey continues thereafter in another realm. And I think that that was the way that, um, many individuals attain that sort of higher spiritual perspective is by, you know, not necessarily denying the traditions of other mysteries or other religions, but embracing all of them at once and understanding that there is no right path, but the path that it lies within you. And so I think that, again, this is um, what I really enjoy about this, this card, you know, what really lies within ourselves, what has that path um, led us to from within, you know? Um, so, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, it's, it's, it's really important to, find those opportunities to allow that collective consciousness pulse to move through you 
and traditions, you know, especially strong fortified traditions that are based in the esoteric are going to really allow that opportunity for them to express this, this essence that we're kind of looking at. And, and that's what we're, again, we're looking at here is just the tradition of spirituality. So we really do want to, and again, divorce it from the idea of so much of just religion, um, and especially this Piscean age religion that, um, you know, did cause so much pain and suffering, um, in this, you know, the last couple hundred years. Well, it's interesting that people want to anchor themselves, and even that word itself has that sort of uh, rigidness to it, but anchor themselves to a discipline of one, and only one discipline, in order to fulfill their spiritual path. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's it's only wrong when you believe that your only discipline is a discipline that needs to be practiced in order to attain a higher perspective, and all those who don't are people who are just sort of half-assing the process. And I would just, in my opinion, say um, that's incorrect just because there is no really a path um, for everyone. I think it's the path that you take from within um, to gain that perspective and not having to be weighted down by one discipline only is something that you're going to have to struggle along the way because I think sometimes we believe that for you to attain such um, information or sort of a, a path of, of guidance, you must go through this discipline. And I think that's where things get a little dicey, a little, a little muddy, a little yeah, offset, I'll, you know? Absolutely. You know, competition, the idea that my God is better than your God, um, when it's all the same energy. Right. You know, there's, there's many paths to enlightenment, but the gate is narrow, and that's just self-understanding and self-unfoldment. And so there's many paths that can take that to empower the self to actually express its infant infiniteness that is within it. Um, but, you know, they kind of get us to the thing. But at the end, it's it's all the knowledge of the self, and it's that idea that that universal consciousness is operating within us. And again, this is very much kind of looking at this with this card of, of kind of creating that and just, just how important that is. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, um, I know that you and I could, I mean, <laughs> sometimes when I talk to you um, about this information, I can sense that we both um, are just excited or eager to kind of get our our uh, ourselves going, but we can both get sort of caught up in in defending our point of view with this with this card specifically on how powerful it is to you know separate the two and so i, I kind of want to get a little more into something you said that um i wasn't expecting which is the etymology of of the pope i, I don't know if you're ready to go into that now um but i do want to get into that just because um of what of what we've been talking about you know in regards to disciplines and and everything else that um some people again push away from uh based on information that's been provided to them about the evil at hand or the power that came from that um, organization. And so I don't know if you want to kick it off with that. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, you know, and the Pope, that that etymology of it really breaks down to a bridge. Um, and it's the bridge of man to God or humans to God. And and this this card really acts as a bridge for the remainder of kind of bringing us into the the next kind of steps on the major arcana um and it like we kind of talk about it it really kind of sums up the cards prior um you know it's got a unique kind of connection because you know like we said if we call it the high priest we kind of see its opposite in the high priestess and so if 
the high priestess is the invisible face of God. Well, the high priest is going to represent the visible face of God, and we can actually see the expression through the rituals and the actual manifestation of it. This card very much is the representation of also just spiritual teachers. It's not just religious leaders. You know, it's going to represent, you know, anybody who's instructing in the the modality of self-unfoldment. Um, and this is the outward expression. It's, it's leaving. It's the masculine. It's protruding out. It's not an internal thing. It's the internal is now moving out with this masculine energy. And so this is very much like the counter duality to the high priestess. Um, and then we also kind of see its connection with the emperor card, which we're going to kind of look at. And the emperor is really about like, you know, you know, really kind of utilizing the will in the external and meeting the resistance of this five-sense reality and overcoming that to really create the person we need to on the outside. And, you know, the high priest card here that we're looking at, the number five card, is going to kind of represent the internal power to meet the resistance. Um, You know, because we have, when we really kind of look at it, a lot of times our biggest enemy is ourself. And so this is about the challenges of kind of like connecting to the self. Um, and it's also got a connection to the magician card. Um, and it's really like the, the fortification and the ability to now start sharing the secrets of that magician card and kind of bringing it out. And so it's this really kind of unique um, placement. And it really does kind of work as a bridge because this is, you know, this is the first time that we've seen multiple people in a card. Before this, it's just been one individual, and we were kind of looking at that. And now we're kind of moving out, you know? With the emperor, we had that father energy. With the empress, we had the mother. The high priestess, we had the daughter. And the magician, we had the son. And then the fool, obviously, is just potential. Um, And so we've kind of connected all of these archetypal energies that are so important and it's starting to kind of manifest now to be able to move out and start to kind of connect to the me in here is starting to meet the me out there. And so, you know, it's really this unique kind of bridge that not only keeps all those together and it like crosses it over, mm-hmm. but it also represents that that bridge of God to humans. And, you know, how there was religious, yeah. spiritual teachers or gurus um, that did act as that bridge, you know, especially in, you know, certain kind of religious ages when, you know, the spiritual text was banned for you to read, you would need a, a, like a priest to be able to read the Bible to you because it wasn't really allowed. It wasn't really open. It wasn't an open opportunity. Um, And, you know, again, a spiritual teacher can be your greatest um, ally and your ability of self-unfoldment, but it also can be the most damaging possible thing, you know, and we've, we've seen both scales of that. The thing that really resonates with what you're saying in regards to all the sum of all five or what's of the four that have led up to this, um, to this moment is how it's said to be the revealer of all sacred things. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think is a, an actual um, profound statement that, um, you know, I was reading about because it really does meet that this moment that you're ready to not only be told what the secret teachings are really trying to speak to you about, but also, you know, the individual who's going to guide you to there. And I think that that, 
that thin line that you're talking about between, you know, being deceived or being enlightened uh, is really up to you on how you've received the information thus far in order for you to decipher whether or not this information is being uh, interpreted properly or being misused to be interpreted as something else for gains of power. And I think that this being the, um, the opening to that inner voice is what makes it a powerful step into the major arcana when we face this individual. Because you're right, this is the first time we see two individuals uh, lower um, than the individual that sits on the throne here, or the, not the throne, but, you know, on the higher perspective here, which is um, kind of revealing itself to this is the moment where the disciples or the initiates are ready to not only hear that inner voice, but also be guided. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, and it's like, again, it's, it's really kind of fascinating how these numbers work. And I know we're going to talk about the number five today and we're going to look at, you know, it's yeah. esoteric significance. Also, you know, we've always looked at the other number, which would be six because of the zero card of the Fubal, um, and those kind of connections. But yeah, yeah, we can't really stress enough that this is really kind of this bridge of kind of connecting and is really kind of the manifestation of anything, everything that's been internally rising up through these first couple cards, um, and kind of steps, you know, because this, you know, the Pope is really kind of looking, this high priest card is really like looking to connect the inner world to the outer world, but it's in a more outspoken way. Um, it's, it's making this information fixed. It's putting form to that silent wisdom that the high priestess kind of creates. And so it's really like generating words and guidance, um, and actually establishing a, a like a fortified understanding of what this inner wisdom is. Um, and so it's, you know, it's even like the idea when we kind of think about, tradition. We can even think about the idea of symbolism, which we're going to be breaking down later on in this. You know, it's that idea of the, you know, what is the tradition? What has human consciousness aligned and attached to these symbols? What are the importance of them and how do they kind of carry on? And we're, again, it's just like, it really acts as like that, almost like that housing unit of um, all the spiritual energy that's been generated. Yes, I, I know that in um, some of the readings here, we have the interpretation of God's law and, and how we may live proper lives and eventually after death receive our reward of returning to God. And that's a direct quote from from 78 Degrees of Wisdom, but it's something that I really um, appreciated that, that resonates with what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, and that's that's exactly what we're looking for. You know, it's that ultimate prize, which is which is you. You know, you are the ultimate prize, and it's the expression and the unfoldment of your true sovereign self making itself manifest. Well, we're starting to see this in this five card of the high priest. It's the the manifestation of this energy now moving out. You know, it starts in the internal, and it moves out to the external. And it's it's really going to kind of take its form, but it's also going to give us, you know, a deeper purpose a deeper purpose beyond just survival, a deeper purpose even beyond just sexual reproduction. You know, um, we kind of spoke about that with Scorpio. And that's something we really kind of have, you know, Carl Jung to thank for this, because Sigmund Freud really saw religion as uh, just an extension of sexual desire. 
And it wasn't until Carl Jung came back around and really kind of revitalized a lot of the alchemical text when he was saying, no, this is, this is a part of human consciousness. It desires to understand its purpose. Um, you know, we, there's, there's a kind of, as we reflect on life, we feel this idea and this need for purpose, you know, and again, the, if we don't have this card, this is when we're kind of sold the idea that this is a purposeless, dead universe. Well, how could the universe that created us not have purpose, but we then create purpose? It wouldn't happen. There's no way that the product is ever going to be different than the source material. Because the universe has purpose, we have purpose. And so this is really what this card is connecting to, this higher understanding of not only the individual destiny, but the, the destiny of human consciousness in its totality as we kind of go through these various evolutions. Um, and so it's, it's this really important way of just connecting us to something bigger and greater than, you know, just what we perceive. And that's, that's kind of what this card is going to be kind of looking at is going beyond that understanding of just the surface and really digging down to what is the kernel or what is the essence Absolutely, absolutely, and and again with uh, with I know there's various inter- interpretations here with um, the Rider Way card and and also the people who um, have this high regard for the Hierophant and there's actually a really good summary of it um, through this individual named Ellen uh, Goldberg that I like and highly recommend checking out her channel here. But um, I think that what you're saying in regards to the universe's purpose is exactly what um, resonates the most with me in regards to this information that's revealing itself to us. You know, it's, it's understanding where that purpose actually comes from and that, that divine purpose comes from rather than all the outer uh, teachings that are trying to get us to pick and choose as we, we just talked about um, and to where put our energy towards, but really the energy that you're connected to is an energy that's far beyond the exterior that you see with your eyes, but from more within and above and above from the below. And so, um, yeah, man, it's exciting. It's exciting to get back into the tarot again. It's just, I, I love how it speaks to how it speaks through you and speaks through me, but it also speaks to everyone. And I think how you connect it to even just the idea of modern psychology through either the Freudian approach and then Carl Jung and the Jungian approach to what this actually represents and what it's trying to get through us is super vital. Um, because yeah. you're right. You know, uh, there is a way that here within, within psychologists that have tried to, you know, put their ideas onto what it means to evolve as a human spiritually and physically and what that uh, looks like can be interpreted, obviously, in so many different ways. But here through um, this description of the Hierophant, I think you kind of have that distinct distinct separation here where you understand what's going on the inner and what's going on the outer. So, right. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, man. You know, it's, again, you know, you have purpose, so that means creation has purpose. And if the universe had right. no reason then you would not have the ability to reason. You would not have the ability to even go through the aspect of like reason in your own mind. And so again, like, you know. Exactly. Yeah. You just be instinctually moving through life. Exactly. You know? And so it's, it's, it's this really important thing that this is the meaning behind things um, and how important it is for us to really kind of approach this idea that there's something bigger 
that we're a part of and we feel it inside. And again, that's what this kind of represents. And it was a, it was more of a feeling in the high priestess. And now it's the acknowledgement of it. It's the understanding of these natural law principles. It's the, it's even just like the idea that we were just talking about. Like, you know, if, if the, you know, if we could, if we, that we have the ability to reason and we're a product of the universe, that means that the universe has reason. And we could look at the same thing with purpose. And we could look at the same thing for, you know, even like destiny of like what we're all unfolding to. And so it is, this card is the bridge. It connects us to the higher understanding of who we actually are. And it, you know, it really overcomes this more materialistic mindset that we've kind of established in the modern day that, you know, humans are just cockroaches. This is just a dead planet. And all of the things that were kind of sold through public education, this is, this really kind of connects us back to something greater that we all feel internally. And it really kind of represents what is eternal and what is created forever. And we'll kind of talk about that, you know, because the spiritual teacher, you know, we kind of think about the spiritual teachers that influenced us, you know, they, they do, they don't live forever. Like they do succumb to death. Like even the prophets, there's a finite expiration date of their body, but their teaching and their wisdom that they share, well, that's eternal. And we can kind of tap into that. And this is how we actually connect to the eternal because we actually understand what that actually is. It's, it's this wisdom that's kind of carried. And so, you know, even though Manly P. Hall is not with us anymore, his words still resonate in my head. You know, he still feels very much alive when I listen to his lectures and he, you know, passes on enlightenment. Same thing with a lot of my teachers, you know, C.C. Zane, um, even some that are alive, Mark Passio, you know, all of these great spiritual teachers, their, their teachings become eternal. And that's also what this Hierophant card is going to kind of show us the, how we actually can tap into and actually kind of, combat that aspect of time and how we can actually kind of cement something into the fixed understanding of human consciousness um, and just how much power that kind of comes from. And again, it kind of comes back to that whole idea of, you know, strength and tradition. Um, but it's really kind of this, you know, this way that we can kind of like internally guide each other and tap into all of the great spiritual minds of the past and influence the future in a proper, healthy, nurturing way. Yes. Yes. That's a good way to summarize exactly what it should be uh, taken from this. You know, I understand that there's many individuals who would rather have someone else interpret this information for them and follow a path that leads them to their own spiritual awakening through the voice or the, um, indoctrination or the religious organization that they choose to follow. But here you have this lending moment of having that bridge you're talking about really guide us through many organizations or many different interpretations that all go through that narrow gate you spoke about. And so I think it's a good way of summarizing the power that, mm -hmm. that this, uh, that this card really beholds, you know, let's start making our way through this card, man. There's a lot to unfold here. Um, you know, it's, it, it, you know, something I want to say on a complete side note is there wasn't that weight that the, uh, high priestess carried with this one. It's interesting how, there's just as powerful uh, symbolism in, in the imagery that you see in the Rider Wade card, but there's something about it that's a little more lighter. And I think that speaks to the card, how it's inviting you 
to sort of make that bridge, to make that leap, rather than sort of holding on to this information carefully, every min, like minuscule uh, detail to the high priestess card. I remember I would look at it and go, oh my God, there's just so much going on behind and in front and on either side. And here there's still a lot of imagery, you know, um, that needs to be unfolded, but there's something, again, that this card speaks at least to me about with a lightheartedness of, hey, how you want to make this this leap or how you want to cross this bridge that you speak about um, is up to you on the paces you want to take to get there, you know, how the pace that you have right now to get there. And I feel like that's kind of how I felt interpreting this this card. Um, yeah. Because it had a lighter sense to it, um, even though, again, there's a lot to unfold. And so you did speak of the number five. So do you want to start from the top and go to the bottom? And do you want to just go with five? Yeah, absolutely, man. And to kind of just touch on, because I like that point you just made, um, the high priestess really kind of awakens something internally, and the high priest really kind of like pulls it out for external expression. You know, it like pulls it out and you can kind of like speak about it. You can collapse it a little bit more, you know, and it is, it's, it is kind of a fascinating card. It's, it's not as intimidating. Um, because again, the, the high priestess kind of represents the subconscious. And this is really going to represent the information coming from the subconscious and now being expressed through the act of consciousness. You know, if the, if the high priestess was almost like that right side of the brain, this is it actually getting created and coming out of that left side of the brain for expression. Um, and so dialogue is kind of a little bit quicker. And even how we kind of get connected to this, you know, we, it just kind of came up in our conversation when we were looking at the calendar that we were like, hey, we could jump back into the tarot. And it was just kind of like, here I am, the high priest, where the high priestess, remember, we really had to sit with that. And it was a couple times, like, she was just like, you have to wait, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. And so, yeah, really interesting, really interesting. I'm glad that makes sense to you, just because, again, you know, here on this, when we do this podcast, you know, I know it's a conversation between you and I and many listeners out there, but, you know, that's where I feel... um the most vulnerable to express my interpretation of this is that I'm like, you know what? There was something so easy about how it's lending itself um, to the, to the person that's viewing it and that person being me, but also it's just no coincidence that you've made it to this point in order to understand this, uh, the revealer of sacred things, as it's said before with the card, it's like, if you're really, you know, the path that you're on right now, uh, understanding what it's leading you towards when you get to this moment, it sort of has exactly what it's trying to teach you. It's like, here you go. You know, like you are ready to sort of receive this mm -hmm. information and not necessarily in a lighthearted sense, but in a very um, open and um, sort of, um, again, le less, less, there's less weight to it than, than the other cards that I've, you know, already encountered and, and had to sit on for a while. And so I think that that's just beautiful to speak to, an external interpretation of what the tarot actually represents and how it's supposed to represent this sort of occult information that you can use yourself to kind of guide you through this information that is about to reveal uh, the details within the card. You know what I mean? So I think it's kind of, I don't know. It, it brought me a lot of joy. Yeah, absolutely, man. The inner teacher is getting a voice. And so it's now speaking to us in this like external expression. Exactly. Um, so yeah, absolutely. You know, and so, um, you know, and I, I, let's definitely jump into the number five. But you know, one other thing that I kind of wanted to point out and make sure that we're aware of um, 
is not only is this the first card that we see more than just one individual represented, um, this is also the first card that's inside. The last cards were all in nature, and this is the first one that we actually see in a structure. Um, and that's going to be really attached to the number five, because the number five representing the pentagram is the structure of the human form with its divinity connected to it. Um, and so we're really kind of moving into even like the body and the form. And, you know, as we kind of go, we're really going to understand that this is, this card is ruled by Taurus, but it's really looking at fixed signs, um, fixed information. And if we kind of expand beyond just the Rider weight deck here, and we look at like the, the deck of Thoth of Aleister Crowley and things like this, you'll actually mm-hmm. see the fixed um, archetypes there from the Zodiac. You actually see, you know, you actually have the Taurus bull, you have the Leo lion, yeah. you know, you have the um, the eagle for Scorpio. When we kind of talk about the highest expression, he represented it by the eagle as that third tier of Scorpio. And then we have Aquarius. And it's it's really because we're talking about fixed information here, traditional information, the idea of principles, the idea of like spiritual foundation. This is, these are things that are hermetically sealed. Like, you know, even things like the law of polarity, the law of cause and effect with the hermetic right. teachings. That's what we're kind of talking about, the structure and the form that's kind of created here. And five is really going to kind of, you know, be that the celebration of the human experience. It's the four elements you know, topped off with the crown of divinity, which is going to be spirit. Um, five is a very special number in the esoteric. Um, you know, not only do we have like the phi ratio, which is that 1.618, that's like the structure of everything with phi, and it's spelled P-H-I. Um, and it's, you know, it's a universal pattern that we see in all form, and especially the human body. It's the ratio of like, the size of your fingers, from your arms to your shoulders. It's really the the uh, the understanding of how the human body is actually divinely inspired, and it's got its connection to that elements. Um, and so, you know, five is just a really, really powerful number um, for not only the, you know, the pentagram, but, you know, really the idea of the numbers that even form it. You know, it's it's kind of an interesting number. It can be formed by an odd and even number, which is not completely, you know, completely irregular. But when we look at the numbers that do form it, it's three plus two. And so we're going to have the Trinity plus duality. And it's the understanding of the Trinity. It's the understanding of duality that completes that sovereign individual with spirit actually conquering the four elements and how we have to understand duality in this experience. And we, we actually see duality going to be represented in this card um, with the two pillars that we already saw in that, again, that connection to the high priestess card. Um, but it's the coming together of the Trinity and the duality and the proper expression of it. And that's what's going to kind of represent the pentagram, which is so esoterically important. Um, and, you know, the proper right way up where the spirit rules over the four elements rather than the four elements ruling over the spirit. And you're not going to have that without a greater purpose. You know, we've all lived as an inverted pentagram. Most people in our culture 
live as an inverted pentagram because there's not a deeper meaning to their life. And so they do the four elements of earth, water, fire, and air rule over the spirit. Um, and we sacrifice the needs of our soul for the needs of the body. You know, we, we, you know, we give into like those base desires, like we were talking about what's good for me is good for me kind of mentality, almost like a narcissistic idea. Um, this is this is what we're kind of experiencing here, and it's not until we can tap into the to higher purpose and actually see how even the human body is divinely inspired by that phi ratio that we can actually start to crown ourselves with the spirit actually leading the elements rather than it actually you know being servant to be into service to the elements, um, but it actually you know is that guiding force, and it's really going to kind of open up that that unique energy. Um, and you know the number five is is kind of seen all the way through, you know, the five pranas um, in um, like yoga and you know even like Islamic culture, Muslims they pray five times a day because of the significance of this number. Um, five is is kind of uniquely inspired, and now all the numbers have deep esoteric significance. But this is the number of of the man um, or the woman or just the human form. Um, and it actually does. Like if you stretch your arms out and stretch your legs out and hold your head up high, you create a pentagram. You know, you are that. You are that walking, dazzling star that we talk about, um, kind of working through and experiencing this universe. And so when we talk about that idea is like you are a dancing, dancing, twinkling star, we really actually mean it. When we look at this number, we can actually see the significance of it. Well said, man. Well said, and I, I like that you interpreted the uh, the hierophant from from the Crowley because uh, perspective because it is an intense card that has a lot more of the imagery that we've already kind of spoken about in the past, but also things that you may not understand um, until we kind of interpret both cards. You know, I know you talked about the pillars, and I don't know if that's the next place you want to segue to, but I do like that you brought up that this is inside. Um, and once again, that inner voice, you know, the, the inner teacher, um, that we have within us and the church as it sits on the outside. And I think that the, again, this image sort of brings that to uh, a full perspective, but man, I really like your, um, your point of view on the, the number five and all the things that you've, uh, brought to the surface that, you know, honestly, I didn't even consider. So thank you for that because, um, you're absolutely right. You know, as far as the idea of the inverted pentagram, that is true. You know, people following a path of of no purpose and just sort of being, um, you know, uh, wrapped into the four elements only and having sort of this lower perspective and rather than keeping their head up high into what is above them uh, is something that I think many individuals find themselves in now in, in this life as far as the chase of, of matter and the chase of, of, of what matters in, in those four elements and the five sense construct is something that we all, you know, can see, uh, relatively with ease or seeing it with ease on other individuals who don't want to find this path. And so I do like that this five sums up the, the triplicity and then the duality that needs to be all considered at once to create this number. Um, so that was beautifully yeah. said, dude. I uh, great. I really yeah. did appreciate that, man. No, I, I love it, man. And yeah, it's it's um it's kind of an interesting experience, you know, with 
with our attachment with the motion of life rather than the meaning of life, we really have kind of succumbed to matter. Um, but the funny thing about matter is at the end, it doesn't matter because it's about your soul and everything's going to turn to dust and everything's going to, you know, move away. And it's really the significance and the character and that unconditional love that we create through having a purpose that we actually find actually what does matter. Um, and so it's a kind of a fascinating word just to even kind of go down a rabbit hole to explore. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting, you know, cause we, we are inside in this card. It's the first card that's inside. Well, this is talking about the spirit within. It's talking about that guiding voice that you were talking about. It's, you know, the body is the vehicle for the soul. You know, we, we're not a body right. that has a soul. We're a soul that has a body, you know, and it's what we operate through and we yeah. need to operate through it and understand it and kind of be able to create it and guide it through more of um, a mature direction that's going to come with the purpose and the discipline that is kind of created and the internal dominion that this card kind of calls for us to kind of um, pull into ourselves. Right. You have this, um, you know, I know we talk a lot in this, um, in this series of the Tarot about the duality and the nature of duality. But, you know, one thing that I like right off the bat in, in this image here to follow with everything we're talking about is the blend of, of what wisdom represents. And here you have the pillars that re that are gray in color, but also in the Crowley card, you have the elephants that sit side by side, which are also gray and also represent wisdom. And so mm -hmm. I think that here, that blend is really lending itself to you, the viewer, that you've made it to this point that sums up this, this pentagram you're talking about, this five-pointed star that we might be and how it all comes together as a blend of, of you know, in this case, black and white making gray. Uh, and, and, you know, so I think that the pillars himself, you know, being on the inside, back to this being an internal uh, teacher um, and how it represents this internal teacher, I think is is major because I think the pillars that we have spoken about pre previous to this, I mean, I remember that was just, it was a lot, you know, what was behind the pillars and what was in front of the pillars and the high priestess and what were the elements behind the high priestess and what it represent and, and that water um, that we spoke about. And here it's just sort of like massive, it's macro. These, these two pillars don't, they're not there with space in between that allows you to see behind too much. It's just right there in front of you. It's like here, it, here it is and the inside you've made it to this point, your eyes can gaze upon this blend of, of two different um, ideas that make for what we describe as wisdom. And uh, again, in the Crowley card, I really like that it's represented by these two elephants. Um, but I might be wrong. That's just my interpretation, you know, on that. So uh, I don't know if you want to kind of break into that. Yeah, no, I think you're, I think you're right on with the two elephants. Um, and the, the color of gray here is very important because it is, it's showing the internal blending of duality, um, because that's what gray is going to represent. It's the blending of the black and white. It's, you know, we spoke about the need to, to blend the duality and what happens when you don't have that right. and you're pulled, you know, the polarization of ourselves is, is it can be completely damaging to the development of the self when we kind of bounce around like we're a ball in a pinball machine where we're really kind of fighting right. that center point and that, that, you know, that process of depolarization. And that's what it's showing. It's the internal manifestation 
of this depolarized self so they can actually operate and walk that middle path, which is going to be so important because, again, there's a lot of paths to the universal life force, but the, the gate is narrow and you have to really kind of make your way through. And that's when we really have to depolarize ourselves to kind of make our way through that narrow gate. Um, and we're not going to be doing that if we live in a, you know, if we're internally polarized in ourselves. And again, this is something that we kind of see, you know, in our external reality, not only that connection and the dependence on matter, but just how polarized our societies and cultures have become. Um, and this is because we've lost Absolutely. traditions. You know, we've lost the traditions of the significance of life. We've lost the meaning of life. And as we do that, as we lose these principles and these foundations, and we like disconnect from the important traditions that we should withstand, we're going to have more of this external chaos kind of manifesting because the internal self is not balanced. Well, I think that, you know, something that you kind of sort of woke up in, into my memory here that we've talked about before and ironically has to do with so much of the brain is we've talked about this matter, but also in literal terms, that gray matter, the gray matter that represents that higher concentration of thinking that represents the spinal cord mm -hmm. and the brain in a process of, of really separating its ideas and having a higher perspective. And so when you were saying all this, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's always so funny. We can go down these rabbit holes of what this all represents and how far it could really go with its interpretations from, you know, a scientific perspective or an anatomical perspective or a physiological perspective all the way into a spiritual perspective. And it's all intertwined here um, with this representation of matter and, and um, yeah, just something yeah. that I know we've, we've spoken about before that I thought was interesting. Absolutely, man. Yeah, no. And just the, um, you know, when we are balanced, and we, we depolarized ourselves, we really create the electromagnetic charges in the gray matter of our brain to connect to more of the memories, which is in that astral substance, you know, because you remember everything you've ever seen. You know, even if you went to the grocery store today, you actually remember the color of the shoes of the lady in the produce department. Now, whether you can generate that electromagnetic energy in the gray matter of your brain to actually access the file that's said that, you know, that's kind of in between, but everything you ever experience is recorded into your subconscious and kind of like the astral substance and the astral brain. Um, and we're really going to kind of connect to that. And as we depolarize ourselves, not only can we connect to our own personal memory, but we can connect to these memories of these traditions, connect to these ancestors, totally. and we could actually have, you know, inner realizations on subjects where we didn't actually learn this in a book, but it kind of kind of blossomed up within us. And you you understand that with the study of symbols. You understand that with the study of astrology, tarot, all of them. Well, as you kind of start studying them, like we said, you start paying attention to the tarot, the tarot starts paying attention to you, and it actually gives you the deeper lessons that, you know, rise up within us. And that's that internal wisdom that we're really kind of connecting to. And again, that's why this, this tradition um, and being able to tap into tradition and honor traditions. And you know, as we say the term traditions too, you know, there's certain traditions that have to go away um, and there's certain traditions that need to be nurtured and kept, you know, alive in cultures. And, you know, certain ones that do go away, it's really good that are damaging to the collective consciousness, but there's also ones that go away that were really important for the collective consciousness, you know? And so not all tradition is good or bad, but there's certain ones that need to be maintained 
if we want to continue to kind of proceed through this evolution and not be the projection from, you know, internally project this chaos that we're, you know, kind of perceiving in the, uh, in that theater that we call life that's happening in front of our eyes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, hey, man, moving down to, um, you know, <laughs> the next thing that I really wanted to speak to you about was these individuals. And I don't know if I'm going too fast here, but those individuals facing either side of the, um, both of them facing the, the right and left side of the pillars, wearing uh, distinctive robes. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that I wanted to uh, open up the floor to to interpretation for that and and see what you wanted to say about, you know, one of them wearing the lilies and the other one wearing a robe with roses and how that represents desire and reason is sort of um, another conversation that we can just sort of have here with, with these individuals as they face, you know, the higher fence. So I don't want to go too much into this uh, yet. I just want to sort of open the floor to to what the representation of these individuals actually has for us. Yeah, no, man, I think that was a great, you know, I think that was a great start right there, you know, because that's, that's the two paths that we're going to kind of take to find spirituality, right? You know, it's going to either be like an intellectual curiosity, or we're emotionally pulled to the spirit, you know, either we're like, you know, intellectually you know, the science that we're getting taught is not connecting and we, we kind of desire to know more about how the universe operates or it's an internal emotion desire that calls us to, to seek out a spiritual teacher. You know, we, we kind of both approach it from different ways. You know, for myself, it was more of like an intellectual approach and then the emotions kind of came in. But there's sometimes it's just the desire to connect to that universal life source um, and kind of like find that bridge to help you get connected to your inner teacher and find that inner voice. Um, and so, no, I think those are, you know, a great thing to kind of see. And, you know, I love too how... You know, we, we even have, we don't see it on one of the individuals, but on the individual on the left, we really have the, you know, the creation of the row, but there's also a, a, a why. why that's kind of being corrected. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's crossroads. You know, what choices are we going to make? You know, what, what way are we going to actually go? And especially because that's the roses, that's desires. Are we going to take the right hand path, which is going to represent the spiritually sovereign and the pure? Or are we going to let our desires kind of take the left hand path? And, you know, again, we're not talking about the Kabbalah here. This is more of a simple breakdown because the left hand path isn't so much represented like that on the Kabbalah, but the left hand path is going to represent like the lower desires and the right hand path is going to represent the transmuted desires, which is actually going to create those roses and kind of bring these individuals so we can actually, you know, get to the point where we actually see the faces of our desires and see the faces of our reason and can actually reflect on it. Where right now we can't see them. They're, you know, they're, we're still needing to explore that to be able to uncover and to be able to look at the roots and the essences of those within us. Um, and so, you know, they're, they're on the process, they're going through it, um, and they're at the feet of their teacher. You know, and again, this could represent a spiritual teacher, but it ultimately, at the end, it represents you. You are your spiritual teacher. You know, at every point, you transcend even your own teachers to really find this inner voice and this inner guidance. Um, now, you can have teachers that help you find that, um, but they're always trying to get you to that point. You never want to be dependent 
on an organization or a spiritual teacher or a guru where it's either, you know, their way or the highway, um, because that could be damaging. Because again, at the end of the day, we, we are all our own best teachers when we learn to actually hear and decipher this voice that's always trying to speak to us. Absolutely, man. You know, I do like how you, you brought up the fact that there's two different paths to take and, you know, on the right and on the left, and there's always going to be that choice that we have to make. But the card itself gives you that option, you know, whether it's one with reason and one with desire, but both can lead you to the spiritual awakening or the path of, you know, finding, um, this sort of higher self that they're both seeking, you know, they're both, uh, Mm -hmm. parallel and both stand at the same height, but they're both facing a spiritual teacher that'll ultimately guide them to where they desire to be with a higher perspective. And I think that that's something I really appreciated from this card specifically is that, you know, it's giving you that, uh, right away off the bat. It's just, it's letting you know, you know, there's, not just one way to get there. And the way you just described how there was maybe a more analytical perspective behind your reasoning to find spirituality, or there might be something spiritual that happened to you first that then led you to be more analytical to then blend the two. But either way, however, the path was, um, you know, bestowed onto you or how it was presented to you ultimately should lead you to the same to the same place. And that's how I feel about these two individuals. You know, here you and I are two individuals with different stories and different um, reasons for what's led us to uh, not only interpret this beautiful um, information that we always like to break down, but also to have this uh, relationship as two friends, you know, reaching a higher perspective from different, from different perspectives in itself, you know, um, and I think that, again, that's a great representation here, not to throw ourselves into the card, but, you know, this card is for, for us, you know, us, the people who are left to interpret information that um, can help help guide us to, you know, what we seek uh, internally and not just externally. And so I think that that is something that's very, um, I wouldn't say just precious to me as far as like the card goes, but uh, more so specific to my... Um, admiration for what the tarot can do you know um especially with a conversation like this that's so fitting to um to these two individuals that that sit at the bottom of this of this individual who is ultimately there to help guide them right you know what takes us to the instruction of the soul you know it could be it could be the reason or it could be the emotions um doesn't matter how we get there it's just that we get we get there, you know, and that's what we're kind of seeing. And we're seeing these two individuals kind of going on this journey. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad, though, that you brought us back to the idea that these cards, it's all for you. You know, it's all for you. You know, I don't remember what that song was. I don't even know if those are the lyrics. But like, that's it, man. Like, play that in the background when you're rocking. We should this, make that like, a song, dude. I, it is. I don't know why, but I like it. I know. I wonder if it. I feel like it is a song. Well, you know. We'll we'll duck duck go this after the after the meeting, um, but um, but yeah, it is. It's all for you. You know, you you are it. You are the ultimate prize. The prize is you, um, and that's what these cards are trying to show you. And they're just begging for you to you know accept your birthright of that you know infinite energy that is just you know dormant and blocked inside ourselves. And that's all this is trying to do. It's just to release that that energy um, from within us. And so, um, yeah, very, very exciting, man. And so, um, from, um, from the cards, should we, um, 
Should we move to the keys that are in the middle of these of these two individuals yes, at this please. point? So, uh, you know, there's a lot of other little things that I kind of took away from the card and then I kind of put to the side and I'm like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to bring that up yet. I'll see where it goes with the conversation between Daniel and I. But when the keys came up, I was like, ah, I specifically stayed away from wanting to even like go deep on the keys because I wanted to hear you talk about this. I was like, oh, I can't wait to. So the, the spotlight's on you right now, my friend, because I, I really just sit here as uh, as just a, a listener myself to what these keys represent because I have an idea of what that is. But I really didn't want to unfold it as much as other things that are in this card just so I could hear what you wanted to to express about these and, and this the the two keys like this is going to be something that we see in so much esoteric symbolism we see it in freemasonry um and the keys are going to represent really the blending of you know active occult knowledge and passive occult knowledge um you know and it's the idea of like, you know, usually, and this is what this is representing with the two golden keys, is the coming together of those two masculine energies that we were talking about with this card, the high priest, and the emperor card. And so now we have the combination of these masculine energies, and they're in unison. Um, and it's showing that, like, there's a completeness. Not only are we, do we have dominion over the external world, but we also now have gaining dominion over the internal world. And so it's that idea of, like, creating a structure. Now, if you ever see the keys and it's gold and silver, what that's going to represent is the idea of masculine um, esoteric information and feminine esoteric information. Masculine is going to be more analytical. It's going to be more linear. Um, Masculine is the study of astrology. Astrology is all numbers. It's all angles. It's calculated. It's like a math problem, right? It's you know, you're at this degree, you're in this house. It's very logical. Now, there's definitely interpretation and insight that you have to put into it, but it's a calculated thing. Where intuitive information, feminine, that's going to represent the tarot. It's going to be more symbolism-based. You actually have to touch into your inner self where you can learn astrology on the external um, and understand how it operates where this is more like internal knowledge that has to rise up within you. And it's the combination of both of those. It's the combinations of understanding how the lines work and also understanding how the circle works. Now, you blend those together because you use logical aspects of remembering what the cards are and analyzing them. But Tarot is going to kind of more rise up within you, where astrology is going to be kind of more numbers calculated base. And we're going to kind of see that balance. But what we're seeing here is the balance of the two keys of this masculine energy. So we're not too externally dominant and we're not too internally focused, but there's like a balance and that's what's going to kind of open those doors. Um, But you're going to see those keys a lot and they're really going to represent those two forms of esoteric information, whether it's the masculine, which is again, kind of more like calculated linear, and then the intuitive, which is going to represent the feminine. You know, like the idea of like doing a tea reading, like where you like take tea and you like throw it against the wall or you look at it at the bottom of a cup. That's very feminine. There's not a lot of form to it. You really kind of like intuitively pull that up against yourself. You know, like the idea of like, um, you know, like dissecting an animal and looking at its guts to tell the future like they used to do in the past. Much more of like a feminine experience because they kind of like feel through it. Where again, like astrology, and you could even say, 
the Kabbalah is really kind of both, um, but like to understand the words of the Kabbalah, you know, all the Hebrew letters and that kind of stuff, that's going to be kind of a little bit more of like a logical process. But then it's, they're all going to have intuitive components to them, but it's, um, it's kind of like a blending between like taking the class of like math and taking the class of like creative writing, almost like blending together of like the masculine and the feminine. Um, again, they're both <laughs> equally important. And you can blend both energies together, but it's really kind of that balanced idea of, again, that middle path of like really getting that the center line of the neocortex activated um, and kind of the, the keys that it unlocks. And so that's what this is really going to kind of signify for us here is this this balanced approach to these these masculine components of consciousness that we've been looking at in these last two cards of the emperor and the high priest. And then again, you know, we looked at the feminine with the high priestess and the empress. And so we covered those two aspects, components of consciousness. This is the completion of the masculine component of consciousness. Awesome, man. Awesome. And and I mean, of, of course, you know, everything you said is sort of what I would expect for the interpretation of these two keys. But I think the way you sort of talk about the blend of them and how we're going to see more of that um, for what's to come is exactly what I wanted you to have the floor for, because I know it doesn't just, you know, start and end here, you know, and these keys and their representation of, of what they're going to have to say in the next few um, moments of the interpretation of the, of the Tarot. Um, I think this is a good jump off point for that. And so thank you for that, man. And too, you know, now we're kind of looking at the colors, right? And, of course, you know, we with the high priestess, we saw a lot of blue. And now with the high priest, we're going to see a lot of red. So again, activating those two hemispheres of the brain. The red is going to represent that masculine component of consciousness, which is more logical and analytical. And the feminine is going to represent more of the passive, which is going to be the intuition, holistic, creativity. Um, and so... We really kind of are seeing this expression. And again, remember, you're all parts of this card. It has no, it has no, um, saying on your gender, or what you identify in. It's just talking about the components of consciousness here. We all have masculine and feminine, um, you know, components to, um, not only our consciousness, but, you know, also in just the idea of reality. There's push and, there, you know, there's the external force and then there's the receiving force. Um, and we can see that in all levels of nature. And um, it, of course, it's going to kind of come up in our consciousness because, you know, everything on the outside is trying to awaken us to something that's happening on the inside. Um, and it's always kind of working us towards that. And so, um, so yeah, we have got this, this, uh, this loose fitting rope that's kind of just blanketed over uh, his shoulders as he's kind of sitting there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, um, the the way that the hand is held and that would be the right hand you know i know that i mentioned this individual Elden, ellen goldberg and she makes these quick little interpretations of of the tarot and i always like to use her as a reference uh, but there's uh something that she said that i thought was interesting what she says representing the way the hand you know not only represents the symbol for a blessing but in the indian culture as a mudra what you see is not all that there is it's an interesting symbol that the the hierophant holds um on the right side. And then on the left side with that staff that we talked about before, those are two things I kind of wanted to, to bring up if you want to move into that. The mudras really actually really powerful, man. Um, mudras, which are going to be different kind of um, hand right. formations that you can kind of do to activate energy, really, really deep understanding. And 
another great thing to kind of put into the repertoire when we're looking at religious work. Um, Because it is, it's kind of showing you like what you see is not all there because we've got the two fingers up to kind of represent the duality, but we have the three fingers down to kind of represent the Trinity and what's operating behind that component. Um, And it's, you know, we're going to see this through, you know, the same hand symbol is actually shown through Baphomet, which is going to kind of be a, uh, entity that we will explore. Some people have very negative connections to it. Some people are neutral and some people really like cherish that symbol, but we're going to really kind of see that kind of representation. And you also see that hand signals with a lot of paintings of right. Jesus. Um, and it's, it's, it really is this like, you know, that form of blessing um, and kind of like, again, connects even the idea of like, you know, we talk about the number five, and I don't even think about, like, we didn't even think about, like, the digits of our hand to break about today, um, you know, our hands and our toes, having the, that representation of that five um, and kind of giving us that human experience. Um, but, yeah, it's it's really going to kind of represent that kind of energy. And like you said, you know, um, there is more beyond what we see and what we perceive. And that's what this card is actually really trying to alert to the emperor. The emperor is worried about his kingdom. It's worried about power. It's really about asserting its energy. And the the high priest is really going to kind of come in here to guide it, to be like, there's more than meets the eye. And, you know, we've spoke about this since the beginning of the podcast, but it's really nothing that we can't stress enough. You know, we have such a limited capacity for sound and a limited capacity for like what we see and perceive. And, you know, it's not until we really tap into all of the electromagnetic vibrations that are out there that we really understand how just how limited we are in our five senses and why it's so important to nurture, understand, and experience the senses that are beyond the five senses and connect into our intuition. You know, tap into things like ESP, understand clairaudience, and all of these other components that are activated and are happening within us. But if we have a limited um, I, I, public school view, we're going to think that this is all we have, you know? That's something that I, I definitely take away from this card all in itself, you know? Um, you know, making sure that you don't have that limited view, making sure that you have that expansive uh, desire to really take this information and reinterpret it and reinterpret it again. And as long as the intention is pure into what you're trying to attain, you know, Um, I think that it'll lend itself in layers, you know, always. I think that, you know, who we are today and who we will be tomorrow are two two distinct things, but with the same guiding light that we use to, you know, reach this information, um, it'll lend itself from the past, it'll lend itself from the future um, all along the way, you know what I mean? You can always go back and can always realize what you might have missed and what you might have missed wasn't maybe ready for you to understand. So it's not like you really missed it, you know, it's just waiting for you to reach a point of understanding uh, what was there all along. And I think that that's something that Tarot once again does so beautifully. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and um, yeah. And, you know, as we kind of, like you were saying, you were kind of bringing over to his, to the left hand of this individual. And we have the, the staff with the triple cross yeah, on yeah. there. Tell me more, my friend. And so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, obviously, the sign of gold is going to be more of that representation of that solar energy, the sun god. You know, again, we saw the silver 
with the high priestess. Now with the high priest, we're going to see gold. It's again, it's those balancing of those two elements of the sun and the moon. And with this, with this in the left hand, we're really going to kind of have a representation of the sanctity of not only the body, the mind, but also the spirit. It's the three levels of the human experience, and it's it's at its highest point. It's at its highest, you know, it's at the top of the staff, um, and it's going to be going through that alchemical process. It's already made it to gold, and so we've actually done it on all three levels of existence. And, you know, again, it's we have a lot of threes and a lot of twos throughout this. You know, we have the three crosses, we have the triple crown of the head, and then we also have three crosses making their way down the the middle of his white rope. Um, and then if you actually look at the bottom, we've got two crosses at the feet to complete the five. Yep. Um, so it's all about that idea of the Trinity and duality. And that's what this five is really going to kind of represent. Um, and just the importance of, you know, is one of the reasons why the first thing we kind of covered was the trivium. One of the other things we first covered was duality and how important these subjects are to understand of, you know, how consciousness not only processes and how you operate it, but the construct of the reality that we live in and that we kind of have to understand duality to make our way through it and actually activate and utilize it in the best possible way. Um, and so it's really interesting. We have a lot of significance of fives in this. Um, but we also kind of have to also touch really quickly because this is actually the sixth card it is. of the deck because the full card is a zero, right? Uh, when you said it a little earlier in the episode, you're like, hey, let's not forget about zero. And because I said we've had five cards leading up to this, but I don't want to confuse anyone by saying that, well, this is technically the fifth card as far as the number five and the numerology and the things that we're going to be representing, but it's really the sixth. So go ahead, man. Right. And we always want to look at that. And the six card is actually going to be a perfect placement here. Six is, um, again, it's, again, it kind of gets a negative connotation because of the, the six, six, six representing like, you know, the, the seal of the beast. Um, but six is kind of this representation of, you know, utilizing the human principles for ways that aren't really developing it's like the inversion of nine nine is going to be the complete number of man and like this really powerful esoteric number six is kind of the inversion of this and so it's not an accident that this is actually the sixth card because we spoke about this there's been a lot of inversion of religious power energy you know like not only the people that are burnt at the stakes you know all the people that have died in the crusades um, you know, just how much gold that the Catholic Church has while everybody's starving in Africa. Um, you know, there's a lot of corruption. I mean, the biggest esoteric library that's hidden from us is under, um, is under the Vatican and we're not allowed to see it. You know, the biggest esoteric occult library, um, is kept from us. Um, and we're, you're not allowed to go in there. And if you are, you get kind of a press, you like somebody's with you the whole time. Um, and you're very limited on what you can see. Um, some of the deepest secrets of our consciousness is stolen from us because of the six energy. Power corrupts, especially religious spiritual power. It's very tempt- it's very tempting. Um, you know, even the idea of you know the um, the idea of like religions protecting like the child molestation and things like this. Like, there's really this could have really negative energy, especially because. 
the occult is powerful. You know, there's there's ways that you can sustain your life by taking the innocence of individuals. And, you know, there's there's not just positive miracles that can be done, but some of the worst possible things. Remember, the occult is just a tool. How you operate it is whether the ends are good or bad. Um, and so the six is telling us about all of that power that spirituality has. And it's not just, it's not just Christian Catholics. We see this in any kind of extremist religions. Um, they can be very dangerous. They can actually, you know, they can actually devalue life when they're supposed to just value life. You know, people from a different religion can actually look at the other people as less human and they're able to do things that are, you know, really alignment to a beast. And we've seen this through all religions. And this is why a lot of people, I think, struggle with spirituality because they see the the outcomes of some of these religious things. And so religion could be a very manipulating, dangerous tool. And so I think the sixth there is to remind us that with great power comes great responsibility. And there's really a, a need to, um, you know, guide this energy from, you know, that quintessence, that five, um, and make sure that we don't utilize this to take advantage or, you know, even make people dependent on us. Um, and so it's kind of a, it's a tricky subject as we kind of approach it. But um, again, there's, um, there's a lot that can kind of come from it that, um, that should be left to explore. You know what I mean? And I can't wait to explore it when we get to the actual, um, the next card with the lovers. But uh, well said, man, I think that that's always great to understand this perspective of, of what is, you know, hidden from us. But even if we do find what is hidden from us, it is up to us and how we use that information uh, and, and the power that comes from that. And I think that's the thing that I always strive for with anybody that I have a conversation with. It's, this information is much older than us. And as we always say, there's nothing new under the sun. And I think that the, the tarot kind of once again shows us a different uh, path to this information and what we do with this information and why we do what we do with this information in order to attain, you know, a higher perspective as you were talking about with the pentagram and having to to really be that shining star that we've talked about before so you know and that's just the last thing i kind of wanted to address was the crown yes um and like it's you know in its connection to taurus um so taurus is going to kind of represent you know the the idea of an earth element and this whole sign and the whole like masculine energies that we were looking at with the emperor and um, the high priest card here is this idea of like construction and building where the empress and the high priestess was more connected with water and water is ultimately what's going to dissolve everything. And so it's more of like this deconstruction aspect. And so it's really like even the kind of interplay between it's kind of a fascinating time for us to be looking at this card because, you know, Taurus is the opposite sign of Scorpio, um, which is like that dissolving, it's this, you know, it's the sign of death, where like Taurus is kind of like the sign of like, you know, form and everything kind of coming into. And, you know, why we really kind of look at this idea of a crown um, is really kind of this idea of, like we were talking about, like, we have like structure now and tradition that's creating like this fixed understanding of this universal life force where we have like this knowledge of how God kind of operates through, through these traditions. And it's kind of fascinating when we kind of look at the, you know, like the, the thought deck and we were talking about those fixed elements of the fixed cross. 
all of those signs actually have some sort of crown. We actually have, you know, we have the Taurus horns, you know, we've got the Leo mane, which almost acts like a crown. We've got the eagle with its like feathers on the top. And then we have Aquarius, which is man um, representing the crown chakra. Um, and the idea of like how we create is so important um, and creating with this idea of purpose. Uh, the fixed cross of the zodiac is a very important one to kind of look into. Um, and the idea of understanding fixed information, hermetically sealed information, information that's not going to change and it's not a variable, um, kind of like we talk about with like the seven hermetic principles and things like that. And connecting to these deeper traditions, like you said, because, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. And we're really kind of in this structure, we're really giving a body to the word of God. Um, and that's what we're kind of creating here. And there's all this interesting ways to kind of look at that. And so just that last thing to kind of connect it with the crown, the triple crown, and the idea of like, you know, your crown and how that's kind of being activated. And again, this, the, all of these cards are a mirror and a reflection of you. And it's, um, it's a, you know, the more personal relationship and spiritual understanding we can get, the more that these cards can actually um, help guide us on our own independent journeys. So we don't have to rely on, you know, external organizations for our spiritual unfoldment. You know, the Buddha showed us that way back in the day, and it's only been even expanded. So it's the other prophets that have come that, you know, the kingdom of God is within you. And it's, you know, it's your own free will decision if you want to explore, uncover, and, um, you know, find the treasure of all treasures. For sure, man. Well said. Well, I have nothing more to add to this uh, wonderful conversation in regards to the card. Uh, a big thank you to all the listeners, always. And I'm so glad we were able to go back onto the Tarot because, again, having these perspectives that uh, present themselves to us uh, individually and then coming together to have a conversation from another angle, from another perspective of uh, of symbolism and interpretation from those giants um, whose shoulders we stand on, I think is pretty is pretty amazing. Um, and I, I kind of was reminded of that with the Tarot. So. Absolutely. Yeah. No, big thank you to the listeners as well. And thank you, my friend, for connecting today. And uh, on to Sagittarius next. I can't wait, man. Um, Sagittarius will be next. And I can't believe we're wrapping up the year as well. So um, always an honor to be on the journey with you and with everyone out there. And so thanks again for meeting me this morning. And uh, until next time. Until next time. Um, did you, uh, you didn't do the intro. I will do the intro. Oh, we're, we're not doing, we're not starting yet. I, I got my hands in that guacamole. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, dude, you, you paint a picture that I just said, I don't know. I just kind of, I just pictured you at a party somehow. Uh, and everyone just being like, what is he doing? You're like scooping scooping yeah homeboy needs protein <laughs>